Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Uh, but it is good here. Good to be here with you this morning. Thank you for joining us online. I get the chance to share with you guys uh, this morning. Of course, we're in the, uh, the Parables of Jesus uh, series that we've done several of them. And in this series, of course, these parables are simple. They're relatable and at times uh, complex and a little difficult to apply. You know, even just thinking about the parable that Jay taught last week, the parable of the two sons, or what's called to as the prodigal son, uh, in, in many, many sources, I call it the prodigal son, but we called it the parable of the two sons last week. And simple on the surface, right? It's simple to consider you know, what it means to uh, rebel against God. It's simple to consider what it would mean to be prideful or self-righteous as you consider these, these two sons. But then to apply that, to our life is, is difficult, it's complex in its application. And so these parables challenge us to consider God's character and what his life is like in heaven and what we want to bring down to the earth with us. And of course, this morning we're going to look at a parable in Luke 11, 1 through 13, and it happens to be on prayer this morning, so it was timely. God knew what he was doing with, with the North Influencer video today, but we're going to talk about prayer this morning, Luke 11, 1 through 13. So let me start off with prayer. God, we give you this, this moment, uh, this time. We pray that as we read your word, as we pray your word, consider, uh, allow it to do what it needs to do in each of our hearts and minds this morning. We ask all things in your name. Amen. I want you to consider something this morning. Uh, how do you feel about prayer? How do you think about prayer. If someone were to ask you, what are your thoughts and feelings about prayer, what would you say? And we would have varied answers from different people in the room, and you may even have a different answer today than you would have, would have had a year ago. You may have a different perspective on prayer. Personally, I've had different relationships and seasons with prayer. There's been times in my life where I'm excited to pray, I feel an intimacy with God, I'm seeing answered prayers. I'm just excited to see what he's going to do next, and I, I go into prayer not out of obligation, but just excitement and a, and a relationship with Jesus. At times, though, with my prayers, I felt like my prayers just, like, hit a ceiling. Like, every single thing I would say, it would just, like, eh, that's it. And, and there's been times where I've, like, wondered, what, what's the point of prayer? If God is sovereign, he knows what I'm going to pray anyway, he's in control, like, what why, why would I need to spend time in prayer? I've had all these different relationships or seasons with prayer. And in our family, we have different routines when it comes to prayer. Uh, we, we're not, for whatever reason, we don't pray a ton at meals, but we do pray every single night with, when we put our kids to bed, especially our two youngest. And so when we pray with them or for them, by, by the way, I love to hear them pray. The things that come out of their mouth can be so uh, faithful and just bold and innocent, and it's awesome to hear, hear them pray. But one thing that our kids, especially our little ones, if we forget to pray this certain phrase, they'll add it at the end. So we have to say, and no bad dreams. Just at some point. And if we don't, if I forget, I get through and I say amen, and as I'm walking out before I shut off the light, they'll say, and no bad dreams, amen. 
and they'll add it in. We just have to say that every single day. Actually, I have a couple uh, kid prayers that I think are funny. We should, we should check this out. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Makes sense? Dear God, if you let the dinosaur not extinct, we would not have a country you did the right thing. And then we have a, a relatable uh, video here for, about prayer. So prayer can be interesting to consider. We all have different thoughts, feelings about prayer. But prayer is an unnatural activity. It's an unnatural activity. What, first of all, when we come to God in prayer, it's a posture of, I am relinquishing control. I am, I am handing over to you control. And that is unnatural. It's unnatural because we come face to face with the God of the universe in prayer. That is unnatural. It's involved, it involves the spiritual realm. We can't see God. We can't hear God. Now, are there times that people have seen God? Yes. Are there times when God speaks audibly? Yes. But for the most part, most of our prayers are done in the spiritual realm, and it's it involves something that is unnatural. So for us to choose to pray is difficult. It's work. If you haven't picked up on it, we're talking about um, the two, two parables today from Luke 11, 1 through 13. And the parable is a friend's request at midnight and a child's request of their father. So let's read our passage this morning. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a simple parable, right? Pray, be humble, be bold in your prayer. And it will be answered because God is loving. Yet it's also ridiculously complex. Do we always get what we ask in prayer? Do we always find what we seek? 
is the door always open? So let's take a closer look, and I have a couple disclaimers. Uh, my first is this. Unlike Janice, uh, who talked about her passion for prayer, I do not consider myself a prayer warrior. Uh, I feel like uh, pretty insecure about my, my prayer life. It's, it's, it's difficult for me. So I am not speaking out of, uh, out of expertise this morning. I am spe- trying to just be faithful to the passage. Actually, this has been very challenging and encouraging for me to even go through this passage. So there's that disclaimer. The other disclaimer is there's far smarter people and more faithful people who have spoken about prayer, preached about it, written books about it, all these different things. And I gleaned some things from them. Francis Chan, David Platt, Tim Keller, a book called Too Busy Not to Pray, a sermon at Calvary Chapel, and a sermon by Tony Evans. So some credit where credit is due, and at the same time knowing that I am not an expert uh, in this field. But the verse 1 says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now these disciples would have known a lot about prayer. I mean, they, would have, they had spent time with Jesus already. They had probably gone to the temple before. They, they had been praying themselves. And so why do you think they asked Jesus again, teach us to pray? I mean, they even knew that John taught his disciples to pray. Why did they ask, teach us how to pray, when they have already prayed before? And I think it's because they saw something unique and special in Jesus' relationship with his Father and in prayer. Jesus took time away from them all the time, high priority on prayer. Jesus spent that time in prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect person who is sinless, who is performing miracles, raising people from the dead, that person spent time in prayer and had put an emphasis on it. How much more should I? Should I consider the importance of prayer in my life? Verses 2 through 4, he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now this is how Jesus told them to pray on that day. Does this mean that these are the only words we're to ever pray when we pray? No, of course not. Jesus prayed other prayers. There's prayers all over Scripture and Psalms. There's all sorts of prayers with all sorts of different aspects. But on this day and in this moment, Jesus gave the disciples this prayer. Now, they may have asked a month later, and he had a different prayer for that day. But this is something that Jesus wanted them to consider. And it's the ingredients of this prayer that Jesus wants us to catch. It starts off, Father. Jesus asked them to pray to their Father in heaven. Like Jesus, pray to their Father in heaven. This is significant. We don't pray to a distant being who may or may not listen and who may or may not care. We pray as adopted children going to a loving Father in heaven. Now, God has many names in the Old Testament, King, Yahweh, Lord, all-knowing, and so on. He's referred to God the Father in the Old Testament 15 times. In the New Testament, and when Jesus comes on the scene, God the Father is referenced in that way 165 times. And most of them 
are when Jesus is speaking to his, specifically to his disciples. He tells us that those of us who believe and have a relationship with Jesus to see ourselves as children of God, going to their Abba, going to their dad, going to their father for relationship and for help. J.I. Packer, who's a theologian and speaker, he was asked this question. The question was, um, who is a Christian? Who is a Christian? He thought about it, and he said this. The richest, richest answer I know about who is a Christian is one who has God as father. And he continued, he said, if you want to know how much a person understands Christianity, find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child. If that is not the thought that informs their every word and deed, then Christianity may not be understood very well by them. So the question is, do you see yourself as God's child? Father is what defines the relationship of our prayer. We don't pray to a judge in heaven. We don't pray to a friend in heaven, a provider in heaven, a ruler in heaven. Even though God is all those things, Jesus asks his disciples in this moment to pray to a father, an Abba, a dad in heaven. And that informs how we pray. Now, it's worth saying that not all of us have had positive experiences with earthly fathers. Many of us have had pain. Maybe it feels like it was all pain. Sometimes that can be a distraction from seeing our Father in heaven as good and loving. And so if that is you, I would encourage you, one, ask people about their positive experiences with fathers, earthly fathers. But I would encourage you to take that pain, that distraction, that frustration, that disappointment to God the Father. Tell him how you feel about that. Let him respond to you in that way. God, he's got broad shoulders, okay? He can take our frustration and pain, anger. You know, Jacob even wrestled with God. Je Jesus made a request, you know, if there's any other way for me to accomplish this, is there, is there something I can do? And I love, I love this description of prayer when it talks about taking all of our concerns and worry to the Lord. Augustine says this, prayer is worrying in God's direction. Worrying in God's direction. Now, speaking of fathers, I happen to have a pretty fantastic earthly dad. Um, always made time for my brother and I. And it, it was just expected at any moment, at any time, any day, if I was trying to get a hold of my dad, he would drop whatever he was doing and make time for me. At any time, any day. And I would literally call him. Sometimes he would have to answer the phone and say, hey, is this an emergency? Nope, okay, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. I'm finishing this thing. But he was available to me 24-7. He even structured his life around having margin so he could have time just in case something came up and we, we needed him for something. Very intentional about how he had relationship with my brother. He took us camping one time. I think I was 10. My brother was 9. And we made a campfire. My dad pulls out of his, a bag the paddle. It had holes in it to make it more aerodynamic. Uh, I, was, <clears throat> I was a friend of this paddle. I, 
It was used sparingly, but it was, uh, <clears throat> I knew it well. <clears throat> but he, what he was doing was he was making a transition from using that as discipline to f- other forms. And he would say that he, well, they wish they had never done that, but that was then. So what he did is he took that wooden paddle and he put it in the fire. He said, we're never going to use discipline in that way. We're going to find other ways to do that. And to mark the moment, we're gonna, I'm going to give you your first fishing poles. And we spent the weekend fishing. So was my dad a disciplinarian? Was that part of his role in my life? Absolutely. Provided boundaries, expectations. But my dad enjoyed me. He enjoyed, he was intentional about his relationship with his sons. And I knew that. I knew my dad enjoyed me. And I think that's like our father in heaven. Even if we haven't had that experience here on the earth, that there is, there's discipline, there's expectations, there's boundaries. At the same time, he enjoys us. He wants to spend time with us. Okay, I spent a little bit of time on one word. I'm not going to do that the rest of the passage, okay? Father. Hallowed be his name. We are to honor and praise the Father's name. It is to be set apart. It is to be unique. It is to be special. Even when we pray, we acknowledge the name of the Father in heaven as set apart, unique, and special. Your kingdom come. Of course, we want God's kingdom here on the earth. We are to ask for that, how to participate in that. Give us our daily bread. We are first to be praying daily. So in the statement, give us our daily bread, means we should be praying at least daily. How are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? To be praying unceasingly, like it said in the video. Give us our daily bread. We're going to talk a little bit more about that daily bread in a minute. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is not Jesus' prayer. It's referred to a lot as the Lord's Prayer, but this is a prayer that Jesus would not have prayed, or at least aspects of it. Jesus didn't need to ask for forgiveness. He was perfect. He was sinless. Jesus gave us this prayer to pray, and we do need to ask for forgiveness. Yes, as followers of Jesus, I believe as, as we have that relationship with Jesus, our sins from our past, present, and future are forgiven. But we're still asked to ask for forgiveness. And why is that? I think the reason we're to do that is because it creates intimacy. Think of a time when someone came to you and they said, hey, you know what? I, I wronged you. I, and I, I'm sorry. I need to ask for your forgiveness. How powerful is that moment? How intimate is that? If you've ever had to go to someone and say, hey, I I wronged you. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? There is a bond that happens in that moment that is unique and special. I told my wife one of the most attractive things she can do is apologize to me. (laughs) It's kind of sexy, actually. Sorry, babe. But there's an intimacy that happens when, when, if, when someone asks for someone's forgiveness and it's given. Like, that happens in our relationship with God as well. And we are to forgive others. Who is it that you need 
to forgive. Lead us not into temptation. That doesn't mean, hey, sometimes you lead me into temptation. Will you just not do it today? It means lead me in the way of temptation so I can resist. Lead me in how I can handle temptation. Lead me in your ways regarding temptation. Okay, now let's actually get to the two parables for today, but that is the context in which we get these two parables. The first one is this that we read earlier. A friend has someone show up at their house, and they need food. And it was like hospitality is paramount in this, in this day and age. Like you, when someone is at your house, you drop everything. You feed them. You take care of them. Whatever they need and they desire, hospitality is king. And it would have been horribly shameful to not be able to provide food for that person. So this friend is like, what am I going to do? He's like, I'm either going to be shameful over here or I'm going to be shameful over there. And so he opts out to be hospitable, and he goes to his friend's house. And you got to know the scene of what's going on here in this time, in this day, in this age. The hearers of this would have known all of, like, people just slept in one room together. you got mom, dad, if you have aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, the kids, the chickens, and the goats. Everybody is all in one room. And it, so you get everyone settled, right? Finally, everyone's settled, everyone's asleep, lights are off, and then a knock at the door. And he's like, hey, my, me and my kids, we're, we're asleep. What's going on? Like, this would have been completely disruptive. Like, this request is shameless. Like, hey, uh, I don't have enough food. Sorry about that, but I need to be hospitable over here. So I'm going to disrupt everything that's going on over here so you can give me food. And Jesus says that he's, he answers the request not to honor the friendship, not because of the loyalty that they had, but because of the boldness that he had. The audacity to even ask is why the request is made and met. So you have a crazy request, and then you have uh, the two verses where it talks about asking, seeking, you know, finding, knocking. And then you have this other parable. And it's, this parable is a very normal request. It's like super simple and, and you know, a child asks a father for a fish and for an egg. Simple request. That's not outlandish. But the response Jesus gives, because he's such a great storyteller, is he makes it crazy is he says, well, you're, of course, you're not going to give a scorpion and a snake. You're going to give good gifts. And how much more are you, sinful person, you know how to give good gifts, but I, perfect heavenly father, with all the power in the world, I know how to give good gifts. So what are we to take from these parables in this passage? I think we're to consider the content of our prayer, the persistence in our prayer, and the object of our prayer. The content of our prayers, what we talked about earlier. Father, honoring his name, forgiveness, resisting temptation. The persistence in our prayers is we are to pray early. We're to pray often. We're to pray humbly, boldly, shameless in asking, making requests known to God. We are to go big in our prayers. We are to be persistent in our prayers. Are you being persistent in your prayer? Are you being bold in your prayer? Maybe you're exhausted. 
Maybe you've been praying for that thing for such a long time it feels hopeless. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you need other people to pray alongside you or for you. Or maybe in place of you because you're just exhausted. Unfortunately, that happens. God asks us to continue asking with boldness. We are to consider the object of our prayers. The object of our prayer is our heavenly Father who loves us. He says in verses 9 and 10, so I, so I say to you, ask it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to one who knocks it will be opened. That sounds awesome. Horrible to preach on. Because we know from experience we need to balance this out with what is reality. Sometimes we ask for things that we don't get. Sometimes we're knocking and we don't, the door's not open. So how do we, how do we handle our experience or other people's experiences that there's, that person still died, there's still illness, that relationship still ended, whatever that was? How do we balance that out with this passage? And I'll give you the answer. I don't know what to do with that. I just know what Jesus tells us in this passage. There's many things we are not promised when we pray, but there are some things in this specific prayer that we are promised if we humbly and boldly go before the Lord and say this prayer honestly, we will get every single time. And what are those? We're promised that he listens and he cares. Our Father in heaven promises to listen and to care about our requests and about our prayers and about our connection with him. Another thing he promises is that we're communicating with heaven. That is something we are promised. We are communicating in the supernatural realm. This is something outside of us, something spiritual is happening, and that's a promise. We're promised to receive daily bread. Now, it could be food, but daily bread is a representation of what we need in that moment. Fortunately, we don't get to define what daily bread means. God, our Father, defines what daily bread is. We are not promised to not suffer or have pain or to die. We're not promised those things. We can ask for those things, and sometimes they are affected through our prayer and in our prayer, supernatural things. But we will experience confusing things, painful things, suffering, if you will. I mean, just look at the Hall of Fame of faithful people in Hebrews 11, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Samuel. They still passed away. They still suffered. Some were tortured to death. The apostles, many of them, you know, scattered and thrown in prison. Does that mean that they didn't pray faithfully? Absolutely not. Sometimes we blame people for their suffering. That sounds kind of terrible on the surface, and maybe you're, you don't want to think that you've ever done that, and maybe you haven't. Sometimes we blame people when they're suffering. We say things like, you just need more faith. Or you need to pray harder. 
because of this suffering thing. Or we say things that I would, I would say in a flashpoint of someone's pain and suffering when they're mourning, we say things because we're probably uncomfortable or don't know what to say in the moment, like God is in control. God's got a plan. Pray more. Is God in control? Yep. Does he have a plan? Yep. Is it important to pray more? Yep. But we're asked to mourn with those who mourn, to jump in the pain with them. It doesn't say fix them. It doesn't say give them a platitude that's supposed to make them feel better, that they know that God's going to use this for something in the future. We're to just join them in the morning when people are suffering. So daily bread, we don't define. Thankfully, though, our Father who loves us in heaven defines what that is for us. So the promises, as he listens and he cares, we are communicating with heaven in the supernatural realm. We receive daily bread, and we are forgiven, and we can forgive. That's a promise. We can also resist temptation. With it, when we come to him, we rely on him, we ask for his help, that there's nothing that can come our way that we can't resist. Temptation, we're promised that. We're promised intimacy with God the Father. It says, when you pray, you will receive the Holy Spirit. That is intimacy with God the Father. Now, we, that doesn't mean we'll always feel that intimacy every single time we pray. There's no relationship that we have that feels intimate 24-7. But that doesn't mean it's not part of the process of intimacy and the Holy Spirit going forward. In our culture, we love instant things. Amazon Prime, love it. The extended Prime Day, like three days, and I'm like, what do I not need that I should buy right now? We love things that happen instantly for us. But when it comes to asking, seeking, and knocking, most of the time, it is not instant. It requires waiting. I mean, think about it. The posture of asking, seeking, and knocking requires something to come from outside of us. Otherwise, we're not asking for it. We're not seeking for it. And we're not knocking for some sort of answer or open door because we already have it. Asking, seeking, and knocking requires something from outside of us to come our direction. And it almost always requires time and waiting. Thankfully, the person that we're praying to and for those things is our Father in heaven. I would say that God is interested in your prayers. He is interested in that time with you because he's interested in you. God the Father is interested in you. No matter what stage of life you're at, no matter what decisions you've made this week or 10 years ago, what you're planning to do after the service, God is interested in you and in your prayers. Like God, we thank you that you're interested in us. We thank you that we can come before you humbly, boldly, and ask, seek, and knock. And because of who you are, because you're our loving Father in heaven, we, are, we come to you as children. Those of us in the room that have a hard time with prayer right now, whether it's unanswered prayers or 
or seemingly unanswered prayers, just pain, lack of faith, lack of belief, don't know what to pray, how to pray. I pray you just, in your spirit right now, speak to us if we need encouragement. Just whisper in, in our hearts, because you're interested in us, then we get to come to you in prayer. So thank you, Father, for who you are and that we get to come to you and that you hear and desire our prayers. Your name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Speaking of prayer, you can submit your requests in the back. We'll be praying for those throughout the week. And then the Zaratis are over there, our very own North influencer, can pray over you, with you, if you'd like prayer in person this morning. You know, if I was sitting across the table from, from my wife, we're having dinner, and, and she says to me, hey, there's something I want help with. Will you, will you help me with something? My answer is not going to be, nah, I'm good, for a few reasons. Not going to do that. Actually, I feel ridiculously honored when she asks me to help her with things, to participate in the things that she has desire for, has need for. I would actually be a little offended if she took those to other people all the time or just handled them herself all the time, if I never got to participate in that. And that's how God views us. He wants to know what our requests, our needs, our desires are. He wants us to come to him and not just take them other places, handle them ourselves. He wants to participate in those things. So let's pray humbly and boldly. Love you guys. We'll see you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.